This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody. David Lasondak here. Welcome to the first installment of Body Talk for 2024. And our guest is going to be Katarina Feda. And we're going to be talking about the fascia winter school in Italy. We're going to be talking about fascia and hormones, fascia and endocannabinoids. And uh, you're going to hear some stuff maybe you've never heard before. But first, it's been a minute, hasn't it? Um, some of you have been concerned I've fallen off the face of the earth in the last five months, but I assure you, if I had, the sound would have been very loud. I would have made sure of that. It really has been an incredible year and an incredible year for Body Talk. We actually grew more fans on this podcast. And uh, for 376 listeners out of uh, how many billion people on the earth now, seven to eight billion, uh, I was in their top 10. And I was in the top five for 250 people. And for 66 people, I was their number one podcast. So I don't care about the numbers uh, aggregately. I just really appreciate the support from each and every one of you. The year really got away from me as we got into fall. I did a lot of travel this year. I was working on two projects, uh, both of which are coming into fruition now. Uh, one of them is in the editing stages. I'll be talking more about that as we move forward into 2024. And the other one is uh, in the nascent, I think it's going to happen stage, but they're both book projects and they do take a lot of time. And uh, even though I am in editing mode right now, along with a, a team uh, helping me do that, uh, I we got to get the podcast going again. The the responses, the questions, the where have you been's, uh, and the fact that uh, we've got more listeners now than ever before, which is great as we go into the fourth year of Body Talk. So before we get to this episode's guest, Katarina Feda from the Fascia Research Department at Padova University, I want to tell you a little story about something that happened to me in 2023. I was traveling through Europe. Uh, I was teaching in the UK and Berlin with James Earls and Gary Carter, and also spending time in Padua with Carla, Katarina, the fascia research team there, and Robert Schleip in Germany. And it was during lunch in Munich towards the end of this travel where I had been researching some things for another book project that I'm working on. When I was sitting there having lunch with Robert and Coletta, and suddenly something came over me, uh, something that I would describe as a state of satori, uh, which is defined as sudden enlightenment and a state of consciousness attained by intuitive illumination. And it's considered a spiritual goal in Zen Buddhism. Uh, it's also a term for comprehension and understanding in Japanese Buddhism. Now, ironically, Robert and I have been talking earlier about meditation and satori states and how Satori states are wonderful, but it's no longer one of his goals in meditation because he realizes that understanding the neuroscience of such things as he does, these things happen, but they're not permanent. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be welcomed when they happened, but he questions it as a goal for his meditation practice. So here I am having lunch and the gestalt, the tapestry of everything in my life that brought me up to that moment, I could just feel 
everything that led me to this place in time in the world. And it was a Satori state for me. I started weeping because I also started hearing some words, words that I had not thought about since I first encountered them when I want to say I was approximately 10 years old. Seems about right. And uh, it's a poem, uh, or at least a piece of prose, known as the Desiderata. Now, I didn't know that when I encountered it. And it was written by Max Ehrman, who was born in 1872, died in 1945. And he was born in Terre Haute, Indiana. He was a lawyer who also studied philosophy at Harvard and um, a bit of a poet. But I had first heard these words spoken when I was about 10 years old, and I listened to them over and over and over again. And it left an indelible impression on me. So much so that here I am in this restaurant in Munich, very German, having lunch, feeling the Satori state, feeling the gestalt of my life, and hearing these words all over again. And I just really wanted to share them with you, the Desiderata by Max Irving. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter, for there will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection and neither be cynical about love. For in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture your strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. It chokes me up every time.
So all this came back to me in a rush. I had to explain why I was crying, not that that was a problem in the company that I was keeping. And even just now, I found myself choking up a little bit as we got to the end of the Desiderata. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I knew when that moment happened, I wanted to end the year for Body Talk in 2023 by sharing that with all of you, my listeners. Uh, But I got sick over the holidays, (laughs) among many other things. November and December were crazy. And um, so we're kicking off 2024 with the Desiderata. And we're kicking off 2024 with our first guest of the year, the amazing, the wonderful, the captivating Katerina Feda, who made time out of her busy schedule as she was getting ready to prepare for the Fascia Winter School, which just took place this past week at the University of Padova. But let's get right to the conversation with Katerina. I'm David Lasondak. You're listening to Body Talk. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I am I am good. I am good. Not as stressed as you are. <laughs> but also you are have a lot of words to do with the book. Uh, yes. So when you when when do you think that it will be published? Uh, at the end of the year? Uh no, we're looking at um September. September. Good. Yeah. Yeah, we want it out. We want it. I think they want to get it just after school starts but not too close to the holiday because then things get lost things get totally lost the first one was good this one's going to be better is the best way i can explain it i'm really happy with the additional uh with the improvements and with the Mm -hmm. additions so fingers crossed yes uh, (laughs) it's going to get done on time so how's the winter school coming the, yes, we are a little bit stressed because uh, <laughs> the days before the winter school are very busy with a lot of things to prepare. And But we are almost ready. Tomorrow I have the last meeting with Carla to organize all the dissection and all the other workshop because we have a very interesting schedule for this year because we have also the Pasha Plastinates. Oh, uh, yes. nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we have both um, Robert Schleip, uh, Rebecca Pratt, uh, and also obviously Carla, uh, that will show for the first time these uh, uh, fascia plastinates here in Padova. And uh, so we we are organizing a lot of things. We have um, we have divided the uh, oral session of the afternoon because we have a lot of speakers, so we have reduced the slots from one hour to half an hour to permit to have much more speaker because we have uh, much more lectures than the previous edition. Um, so, of all the speakers, um, which which are some of the new exciting ones or the ones that you're personally? Oh, okay, we have um, Robert Schleip. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Pratt. Uh, Rebecca will speak about the terminology of the fascia, and uh, Robert uh, about the fascia and the immunosystem. Uh, we will have um, Wilbur Kalsik from Canada. Wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know Wilbur. Uh, okay. And uh, also uh, our um, PhD student, uh, Sheng Lei Fan, will come back. Now he's working in China. He will come back here 
to speak about um, fascia and aging, how the fascia can change with the aging. Uh, we have some new uh, results of our new PhD student uh, uh, about the um, uh, denervation in rats and how the denervation can cause some changes not only on the muscles uh, 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 near the close to the nerve of the leg uh, that is um, damaged with the denervation, but also at distance in the thoracolumbar fascia of the animal. Uh, so mm. also this is a new study uh, and um, uh, I will speak about the microscopic uh, aspects uh, of the fascia and I will divide my presentation in the superficial fascia and our new uh, discoveries about the superficial fascia and on the deep one. And we will have also Carmelo Pirri with the ultrasound imaging. Mark Driscoll. Oh, okay. Will, yes, Mark Driscoll. He will speak about the coordination between the trunk muscle and the thoracolumbar fascia. Um, one of our colleagues will speak about also the Parkinson and alteration with the Parkinson of the peripheral innervation. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Dr. Brasilina Caroccia is she's an, our colleague here in Padova, will speak about the system renin angiotensin and so hypertension and fascia. Oh. It's also a new a new aspect. Uh, obviously, Carla will speak about the anatomy of the fascia. Our colleague Giovanna will speak about the lymphatic vessels on the superficial fascia. And obviously, we have a lot of dissection um, about the thorax, uh, about the visceral fascia, the upper limb, the inferior limb, the dissection mm -hmm. of the back. We will have a lab of biomechanics with our engineer colleague and um, also fascia and nerves uh, with our colleague from uh, Spain. Mm -hmm. So how many days is this going to be this year? Five again? Five days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy prep schedule to schedule <laughs> this little chat. Now, you mentioned some new findings in mm -hmm. the superficial fascia. Can mm -hmm. you can you spoil those a little bit? Could you tell me a little bit more about what the latest yes. is? Because uh, uh, the first beginning of uh, our research about fascia, especially from a microscopic uh, point of view, we will focus only on the deep fascia because we were thinking that it was the most important because it's close to the muscle, it is mm -hmm. related to some musculoskeletal pain and so on. But And the superficial fascia was only considered like layer dividing the extraception from the proprioception and linking the external layers and the skin with the internal layers. But it's not true because uh, when we started to uh, also to analyze the fascia, uh, the superficial fascia under the microscope, we discovered a lot of new things. First of all, um, the, the amount of the elastic fibers is totally different from the, uh, the same region, but uh, with respect to the deep fascia, to the corresponding deep fascia of the same region, uh, because in the deep fascia, um, uh, uh, the elastic fibers are almost 1%.
uh, only to counterbalance uh, the, the collagen fibers, the amount of collagen fibers. In the superficial fascia, uh, the, the elastic fibers are uh, 10 times more. And uh, uh, is because uh, uh, they work as a containment, an elastic containment for vessels and for nerves. Uh, we demonstrated that the superficial fascia is very well innervated and very well vascularized. So we have uh, a lot of, uh, uh, of vessels uh, that not only cross the fascia to reach the skin, but they innervate, they uh, supply the fascia itself. Uh, because there are also uh, some small uh, arteries uh, and capillaries and uh, uh, vein, um, and they are uh, all around the tissue like a network. And the same for the vascular, the innervation. The superficial fascia is very well innerved, and uh, um, there is a huge innervation of the autonomic nervous system. Um, so the innervation of the fascia is between the collagen fibers of the superficial fascia, but also on the wall of the blood vessels. This is very important because it, uh, in, from a clinical point of view, it means that, uh, first of all, the uh, pain can also have an ischemic origin, uh, thanks to this uh, huge vascularization. And uh, um, also the innervation, it means that the fascia uh, can be a generator of pain. And uh, this huge amount of uh, uh, autonomic innervation, it means that some dysfunction that are related to the change of the temperature uh, are, or also some circulation problems for some patients are linked to the superficial fascia. And so treating uh, the superficial fascia with a superficial and soft massage can help some patients that have some problem on circulation or some problem on the regulation of the temperature that is regulated by the autonomic nervous system. And also the chronic stress can influence the superficial fascia because it is already demonstrated that the chronic stress activate the autonomic nervous system. And so this huge amount of autonomic innervation in the superficial fascia, it means that the chronic stress can stimulate this innervation in the superficial fascia and the autonomic nervous system um, can uh, cause an increase of some factors like TGF-beta that are linked to the rigidity of the tissue, to the fibrosis of the tissue. So the chronic stress can cause pain on, also on the superficial fascia. And also we have a new discovery uh, because uh, um, we discovered uh, the mast cells inside the superficial fascia. For us, it's very important mm -hmm. uh, because at the first beginning, the mast cells was linked only on the allergic phenomena, but it's not true because uh, uh, it, it's demonstrated that the mast cells are some 
sentinel cells, some regulating cells, because they have a lot of granules inside the cytoplasm, but these granules can change according to the uh, uh, stimulation. So mm -hmm. the content of the granules uh, is not always the same. And so the mast cells can regulate the inflammation, the inflammation, the uh, immune system, and they have a, an important role, a key role in the tissue healing, tissue regeneration. When uh, there is a, a scar or a wound, uh, the, the process of wound healing is regulated by the mast cells because the mast cells at the first beginning degranulate, starting to um, um, uh, 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 put on the extracellular environment uh, some elements that start to make a digestion of the uh, extracellular matrix. Then uh, they call the fibroblast and they say to the fibroblast to uh, synthesize much uh, collagen, much more collagen, new collagen. Mm -hmm. So they create the re after the first inflammation the regeneration of the tissue. And all this process that is long, more or less, from one, two days to seven, eight days, is regulated by the mast cells. And uh, there is a, an interesting um, uh, paper published uh, by some colleagues uh, um, on the animals. They uh, understood that the regeneration process uh, starts from the subcut of the skin, uh, start from the subcutaneous tissue, from the superficial fascia. There are uh, some uh, um, sentinel fibroblasts uh, that start to, uh, to create this regeneration process. And so putting together the two information, so the mast cells and the sentinel fibroblast of the superficial fascia, our question was, but there are mast cells inside the superficial fascia that are able to, uh, to manage all this uh, uh, regeneration process? And the answer is yes, there are a lot of mast cells, uh, more or less 20 per millimeter square. Mm. They are distributed uh, all around the tissue, close to the nerves, close to the adipocytes, uh, close to the blood vessels, uh, but also between the collagen fibers of the fascia. So they are here probably uh, because they are able to uh, regulate the tissue regeneration, the tissue healing. Uh, we, in the next future, we want to understand what uh, what uh, which um, molecule is inside that kind of mast cells, how they can be activated. But we don't know till now uh, the answer of this question. So we know there is a relationship here and one can help regulate the other, but this is such a new finding that we can't say for sure what kind of intervention would give us the outcome that we're looking yes. for in terms of histamine reactions and so such things. Okay. Wow. That is huge. That is really huge. Thank you for sharing that with me and, and with the audience here. Um, so you originally, um, mm -hmm. I, I think people think that you have been involved in fascia research all your life. 
Uh, you've certainly done a lot of groundbreaking studies in it, but that's not true. You came at this from a very different angle. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, where you were and how you first met Carla? Okay. <laughs> um, I am a biotechnologist and I graduated here in Padova. And then uh, I study also health biology. And uh, I, my PhD is about uh, uh, environmental medicine. And in particular, my PhD was focused on nanotoxicology. So I nanotoxicology. studied nanotoxicology. Yes. Okay. So uh, for three, four years, I studied how toxic, how much toxic are some nanoparticles that are normally used in industry. Uh, in, okay. uh, so we're talking um, about industrial industrial yes. things and how they might affect humans in yes, contact with exactly. it. Okay. So my PhD was focused on some uh, cell culture study to understand how this cell culture, human cell culture, after the stimulation with the nanoparticles, um, uh, how they can change or how much, uh, uh, what is the, the toxic dose of that nanoparticles, uh, what happens on the cell life uh, after the stimulation with these nanoparticles. And um, after my PhD, I started to a new project, um, always on uh, nanoparticles, but uh, from another um, aspect, so to understand how these nanoparticles can vehiculate uh, drugs to uh, for tumor, for example. And so I uh, always study on cell biology and. Uh, um, cell toxicology, but to understand, to mimic, uh, not a static uh, environment, but a fluid environment like inside our vessels. Mm -hmm. And to make this study, uh, I used some facilities uh, here at the Institute of Human Anatomy in Padova, uh, because my colleague, uh, there, were, there were most um, uh, in the chemistry uh, world, and so they didn't have the facilities to work with the human cells. And so I used the labs here in anatomy. And I met for the first time Carla, more or less 10 years ago. Um, and uh, after that project, uh, she started to, to ask to me, because she, she's always very curious and open mind and she loves to uh, new, to know some uh, new people and understand uh, what these new people can uh, improve the fascia world with their expertise. And so she told me, but are you able to study fascial tissue and to understand what kind of cells there are inside the fascia? And I said, yes. We can try. And so uh, in parallel, I was finished my uh, project about nanoparticles and I started with Carla to uh, understand the fibroblast of the deep fascia. We were focused especially in the deep fascia, the first beginning, how these uh, uh, fibroblast can, uh, uh, how they are. And so I isolated the, uh, the fibroblast from the human fascial tissue, and some years later, we discovered together the fascia sites 
because uh, studying uh, the fascia, we discovered that these uh, uh, cells that were fibroblast-like but different from the classical fibroblast. Um, and so I start uh, my new life uh, around five. <laughs> exactly, uh, with Carla in the fascia world, because I totally stopped the, the, all the projects about nanoparticles, and I was involved full-time in the fascia world. And step by step, we, at the first beginning, uh, we were me, Carla, and some help with some of our technician, but now we are increasing and we have different expertise and a lot of people that are have a lot of passion to understand how fascia uh, works. So what, what about this captured your imagination that made you say, okay, this is my path. I'm not going to do the nano particles anymore. <laughs> But the, um, the expertise were almost the same, but the focus was totally different. The, the, um, I was attracted by the enthusiasm of Carla, mm -hmm. her curiosity, and also the fact that there was uh, uh, no literature about that. And so there is all to, um, to be understood, only to be discovered. And this is a, a huge responsibility for all the, the fascia research, but it's so interesting because uh, um, the things that I love about that is that we have immediately also the clinical application of our discoveries. Because usually in the research, you, you make the basic research and then you apply this basic research year after year to the clinics or to the industry or to the, the field that you want. Here is the opposite because uh, uh, Carla um, was treating from a lot of time patients and mm -hmm. she was and she still is. Yes, mm -hmm. she's a clinician and she was convinced uh, about uh, the, the validity of this fascial treatment. And so the clinical uh, at the first beginning was much more uh, advanced with respect to the research. And this uh, usually is the opposite. And so uh, she told me, can you explain why this treatment works and what is happening to the fascia after treatment? And this is, was very interesting for me. So the, the expertise were the same. So. Um, histology, uh, cell culture, cell toxicology, and so on, but applied to a totally different field. Um, and I was attracted by by that. And also was attracted by, by Carla, by her um, big, big knowledge, but also the simplicity the, um, in which um, she shared her knowledge uh, with uh, all uh, and how she can um, uh, teach, but also learn from you. And this is very interesting. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful quality to have. And Carla has it in abundance. And I think that's one of the reasons we all admire her so much. Body Talk will return after the break. So two things I want to be sure that we cover. Um, so for those for those who may not be as familiar with it, um, is I want to I want to talk a little bit more specifically about your research into 
fascia and hormones and how that affects uh, specifically women, particularly uh, as they get older, because we know that women tend to have more musculoskeletal aches and pains and issues as they age when compared to men. And it's not just because men are stoic and don't complain. We demonstrated, first of all, that the the study was made on deep fascia. Uh, So we demonstrated, first of all, that uh, the deep fascia can answer to the uh, sex hormones because uh, uh, there are, are expressed in the deep fascia the receptors for some uh, key sex hormones like relaxin or like uh, uh, estrogen. And so this was the first step. When we demonstrated that there are the receptors, it means that these receptors that that are on the membrane of the uh, fascial cells, these receptors are able to answer to uh, the stimulation, so to the hormones. So the uh, receptors for the relaxin can attach the relaxin, the receptors for the estrogen can attach the estrogen and so on. And so we uh, tried to create uh, in an in vitro a simulation or, or of what happens in vivo. Obviously, the um, the different uh, uh, hor- hormonal situation is uh, so complex because we have a lot of hormones that works together. But we tried step by step to understand what happens, starting from the beta estradiol. So we uh, isolated the fascial cells, we put them in culture, and we tried to uh, put inside the cell culture different amount of this hormone. The, the amount was corresponding to the different phases of the cycle of the woman. So the estrogen peak during the ovulation or uh, the low concentration of hormones during the menopause transition. And uh, the results uh, were very clear and surprising because uh, um, when we treated the cells with a huge amount of uh, uh, estrogen, like during the ovulation, we noted that the cells uh, um, synthesized much more collagen type 3, that is the, the soft collagen, and much more elastic fibers. The opposite situation happens with the low hormone concentration, like during the menopause transition of a woman. So it means that during the menopause, the cells start to produce much more collagen type 1, that is the rigid one, the rigid collagen, and less collagen type 3, less elastic fibers. So for us, it means that uh, when there is a balanced hormonal situation, the tissue is uh, uh, healthy, is in homeostasis. So if we have the correct amount of the different hormones, uh, we have the, the right amount of uh, the, the different type of collagen and elastic fibers. But what happens when there is, uh, when there is an unbalanced hormonal situation? When there is too much uh, estrogen, we have a very soft uh, fascia. When we have uh, uh, less estrogen, we have a rigid fascia. Um, obviously, uh, it depends on the uh, situation of the woman because there are some women that uh, with menopause uh, start to have myofascial pain 
or some women that have the opposite situation during menopause, they stopped the uh, pain that they have before. It means that uh, hmm. uh, there is there, there are a lot of factors to, to consider, obviously, um, but it means that when some hormones uh, is high or low, it can influence the fascial tissue. The, the, the fascial cells are, um, are a vital structure. They are able to understand what happens outside and they regulate the extracellular matrix synthesis according to the stimulation that they receive. So if there is a, stim a stimulation that says, okay, produce much more collagen type 3, much more elastic fibers, the fascia becomes more soft. But a too soft fascia, like what happens during uh, the pregnancy, because uh, during pregnancy, the women have also a lot of relaxing that permits uh, the growth of the belly and of the fetus. Uh, but this uh, relaxing can create a very soft connective tissue, but um, you um, can uh, counterbalance with some rigidity in the pelvic area or in the back area, or also if you have a very soft uh, tissue, you can have also some postural instability of the, of the ankle, for example. Um, and the opposite, when you have a very rigid fascia, it is very stiff and you can have pain. What happens, for example, uh, in some women with the menopause? Obviously, we have to add um, some more steps. Uh, first of all, in the next future, uh, I want to understand also the androgen receptors, if it is expressed uh, by the um, fascial cells, how much it is expressed and how the cells answer to that kind of stimulation and putting together the information to understand much more. But uh, what we can say till now is that the sex hormones surely influence the fascial tissue. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the transition from the, the high estrogen soft hormone state of being pregnant and delivering a baby. And then the body has got to undergo a process to re-regulate itself. We hope back to something where the ratio between the collagen one and collagen three mm. is more normal. Uh, that doesn't happen overnight. And I imagine that that time factor, there's a lot of different influences that could account for whether it takes a period of a few months or even a year or longer. Do you think there might be some links between that transition from the, the uh, pregnancy to post-pregnancy and rebalancing uh, that and postpartum depression? Oh, it's a very interesting question because uh, um, uh, for, for us, uh, obviously, it's it's impossible to follow uh, the, the tissue from in a long period. The only things that we can do is to isolate the cells. And so all the in vitro study are made on cells, not on tissue. So when we isolate the cells, we can play with these cells, putting what we want inside. But obviously they are only cells. In the in vivo situation, yeah. we have a lot of other um, uh, factors uh, for and, and I don't think you can replicate, say, cellular depression. Yeah, exactly. It's very complex. 
But uh, um, yes, I think that uh, uh, all the thi all these things are related because uh, um, uh, the pregnancy and the post-pregnancy influence a lot of hormones, and uh, uh, surely. Uh, I think that where where there when there is an unbalanced situation, that could cause pain, and pain and depression are linked, surely linked. I'm thinking also about uh, uh, cannabinoids. Okay, that's where I wanted to go next. Keep going. <laughs> okay, because uh, the deep fascia also answer to the cannabinoid stimulation. We made the same step. So first of all, we demonstrated the expression of the receptors for both CB1 and CB2. Then we isolated the cells and we put it CB1 and CB2 inside the fascia. Obviously, the in vitro um, stimulation is very fast. So the, the cells answer in a very quickly way. After, uh, after the cannabinoid stimulation, they are able to release the aluronan in the extracellular environments in only three, four hours, 24 hours. So very, very fast. I think that in vivo can be uh, not so fast, but uh, the cells are are um, uh, very um, active. Uh, the the fascial cells. So um, what what happens when uh, um, there is a stimulation with the cannabinoids? They start to um, secrete yalurana. Much more yalurana, it means much more gliding, and uh, it means less rigidity. A, a, a tissue that can be soft, and so pain reduction. Obviously, it is a, a temporary, um, probably is a temporary uh, stimulation. We don't know uh, how much this uh, uh, synthesis of yaluronan uh, can be long, but um, can help to understand that probably the cannabinoids uh, can be used for some chronic pain because they can release the tissue and can help, can help the patients to uh, have some uh, more soft tissue and pain reduction. The cannabinoids, you have to remember, that are also anti-inflammatory, antifibrotic, so they can regulate also inflammation and fibrosis of the tissue. Now, are you planning to do, or, or perhaps you have, uh, started to separate the different kinds of cannabinoids? So for example, CBD is suddenly very popular everywhere. And uh, I, I've seen it. I, I've seen it have some very interesting results uh, anecdotally. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm curious if uh, you've got any CBD-oriented type studies with the cannabinoids or not. Till now, no. But we can do. We can do it because uh, at the first beginning we were focused on the endocannabinoids mm -hmm. because the uh, the endocannabinoids are endogenous neurotransmitters that are normally present in all our body. And the name endocannabinoids is because they are very similar uh, structurally and chemically to the phytocannabinoids that are produced by the plants. Oh, okay, thank you. So I understand the are... distinction now. You said oh, phyto, okay. P-H-Y-T-O, phytocannabinoids. Yes. Okay, yes. great. Yes, phytocannabinoids. They are similar to our endocannabinoids. So 
if the, um, the fascial cells express the receptor for the endocannabinoids, they probably can attach also the phytocannabinoids because the mo molecules are very similar. Okay. So we can test all the phytocannabinoids that, that, that you, you want in the next future, but we don't have results till now. Okay, fair enough. So what's on the horizon for you? What uh, what are you looking forward to studying and mm -hmm. testing over the next three to five years? Okay, three, five years is a long, long <laughs> period. In the I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pressure you into one year, year here, uh, yeah. trying to give you a little space. In the next year, surely I will deepen the um, hormone because uh, I... Uh, I was uh, waiting for the uh, uh, for the antibody for the androgen receptors from a long, long time. I don't know why the company didn't uh, sell the the this antibody, but now I have it, so I can Good. start to test it because uh, it's it's very interesting not only to answer also to some. Uh, man um, uh, hormones, but also to understand much more better uh, the, the hormonal situation in uh, uh, some tumoral patients. All the patients that have breast cancer, women patients with breast cancer, they have a lot of uh, uh, fibrosis because the anti-estrogen drugs, the pills, so the anti-estrogen that they take for, the, uh, for their tumor, um, they block the estrogen, and so they can create rigidity also in our fascia. Because if we have less estrogen, we have much more collagen type 1, is our idea, and so much more stiffness. So we can, for example, help these patients with some treatments far distant from the tumor because we because we don't want to stimulate with our massage the, the tumor because it can be dangerous but far from the tumor we can help the patients to have um, a better life the oncological patients to reduce the pain related to their therapies and this is one topic. Surely in the in this uh, this year I will uh, involve it. I already start to study some lipedema patient because uh, we received fundings from the Lipedema Foundation. Um, our idea is that the because all the studies till now related to lipedema are um, related to the adipocytes, to the fat cells. But we want to study the connective tissue that support these cells and regulate also the metabolism of these fat cells. And uh, my, I can't share to you the results because they are preliminary results. Okay. But uh, what can I say is that the connective tissue is changed in the lipedema patient. Okay, not surprised to hear uh, that. Related to collagen, related to the inflammation. They are very preliminary but interesting results. And this, I think that can be very useful to understand um, the lipedema also to a better diagnosis that till now is not so easy uh, to be recognized. And so consequently to, for a better therapy to understand how to help that kind of patient. So surely in this here, I will focus in these two main topics. Well, I can't wait to come back 
in another year, a year and a half and have another conversation so you can unpack all of those results. Katerina, I want to thank you for your time this morning. I know how busy you are getting ready for the winter school, so I don't want to take up any more of your time because it's a lot of work. But thank you again for making time for me and the audience of Body Talk this morning. Thank you, David. Thank you to all of you. Thank you for listening to Body Talk. I'm David Lasondek, Senior Structural Integrator and Myofascial Specialist at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center's Center for Integrative Medicine and author of the book, Fascia, What It Is and Why It Matters. Thank you, every one of you who tunes in and shares this podcast. We live in an attention economy right now. And I guarantee you, if you give me your attention, I'll make sure it's worth your time. See you next time here on Body Talking.